I'm Maureen Bellatori, and this is Spilled Salt, a podcast on the thrills and spills from the food, beverage, and agriculture industries. My guest today is Matt Horn, who is the Director of Municipal Services at MRB Group Engineering Architecture and Surveying. But really, I know him, and what you will find in today's conversation is that he's a strong community builder kind of guy. And so our conversation um, really is around how farmers, uh, folks in food, beverage, and agriculture can leverage economic development to help build stronger brands, stronger farms, and become um, an even greater asset to their local community. Enjoy the conversation. Hey, Matt. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Very good. Thanks for joining me today. I'm going to jump right into our questions. Um, and so I want to start way back in 2016 when we first met, when you were at the city of Geneva and you were creating a co-working space that you saw as an opportunity to support the food, bev, and ag industries in the region. Explain that a little bit. Why? How did you see that working out? Sure. Well, um, you know, we were really focused on um, economic development generally in Geneva. It was, uh, you know, a community that had struggled over the years uh, financially, and the economic health of our community members uh, was was kind of a bit volatile, which creates kind of a volatile economic situation or financial situation for uh, us as a community. And over the years, lots of different, you know, almost sort of scattershot approaches, heavy industry, bring it, bring it, you know, whatever you've got, what we would call you know, kind of a 1980s chasing smokestacks thing. Um, tourism, which obviously is a big thing in the Finger Lakes. The Finger Lakes brand was really on a run up with respect to tourism. Mm-hmm. So hotels and 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 that kind of stuff. Um, but nothing seemed to really, you know, take off, uh, mm-hmm. if you will. We, we were we were getting wins, but uh, but it wasn't really doing doing anything significant for our bottom line. And so we, we kind of just put a put it on pause and said, all right, let's let's really think through what's the best fit for us economically. And I brought a whole crew of people together. Go ahead. So essentially you're saying that those things like big business, you know, growing companies and tourism in the region was helping the region, but you weren't seeing that centralized impact in Geneva itself, right? That's we, what you were we, trying to impact. Right. We were trying to find our place in it, right? Yeah. Um, you know, the the uh, we we we'd had economic analysts come into the community, economic development experts, and what they all said was, "You're you're you're going to get lost in the noise, right? Mm-hmm. Um, manufacturing and and tourism that those are all those are certainly things that are happening in New York State. But what's your what's your niche? What's your what's your place in that? Yeah. And uh, and it, and so we it was around this time that I ran into this concept of innovation districts, and it, it comes mm-hmm. out of Brookings and. And the thought process is, you know, look, look around at what your potential innovation assets are. And they were things like he talked about things like academic institutions and entrepreneurs and, and these these kinds of things. And it just turns out, you know, Geneva's got these world class uh, researchers in the food and food and ag field, food and ag, food and bev mm-hmm. um, field with Cornell having an institution right here. Hobart and William Smith had really started to put some muscle behind their entrepreneur program, entrepreneurship program. Um, Finger Lakes Community College has always been kind of a, a, a great partner on the workforce side. Um, so we said, okay, that's clear. We, we have that part of the innovation districts concept covered. Um, what, what's next? And, and the what's next was like, 
um, a, a great place for entrepreneurs to bump into one another, right? So um, mm. for lack of a better word, like a social setting. And for the, anybody who knows Geneva or has been through Geneva, we have this amazing downtown, um, just a, an incredible, well-preserved historic core um, where there was starting to be a buzz about, about Geneva's downtown. And then finally, the, uh, the, the Brookings uh, thought leadership talked about, all right, now how do you put formal um, opportunities together for people to actually go do the work? Mm -hmm. And so we saw, um, we, have a, a, we have the industrial park, it's a city-owned industrial park, um, but we also had this Cornell Tech Park, this, this ag and food technology park, which had acreage, it had small-scale production spaces. So like, okay, if we wanted a, a hundred thousand square foot facility, we could drop it in the industrial park or drop it uh, in the tech park. Yep. If we wanted a startup manufacturer, some someplace, someone like Stony Brook Wholehearted Foods, which is a fantastic producer in Geneva, little small manufacturing space, a couple thousand square feet to pilot your project and then even grow it into some some scale, right? Um, but what about the think piece, right? What about mm -hmm. the folks who are just getting started? They're at home. They're in their, they're in their, they're on their kitchen table, scratching out ideas. They're, they're, they're starting to get crowded at that table and they need to go get some, get some space um, away from the home. And we had come to understand this concept of co-working, and, um, and it, it, we, we, it turned out we found some great real estate partners in the community. Um, and the city was the city council and city leadership were excited about co-working as a, as a concept. Um, and so the city invested and uh, and pulled together a, a co-work in downtown. And, you know, initially we, we wanted to create some density, create some excitement around it. Um, and so while we always had it, you know, at the front of mind that this is a place where food entrepreneurs are coming, will come and get started. Right. Um, uh, it, it ended up being a lot more than that, which was great. Um, mm -hmm. It, it yep. was a, a much more diverse crew. So. Yeah, that's great. So it was really it you were recognizing where the opportunity was for continuing to kind of support this food bev and egg natural entrepreneurship kind of thing that was already happening to help create the first piece that would launch them into the other resources that were already available in the region. And so now that you're with MRB group, you're really kind of taking this concept of what you helped impact in Geneva and take it on the road and you're working and consulting with companies and municipalities all over the US, right? For for this, how are you seeing communities throughout the United States kind of prioritize or work in food bev and ag concepts into their regions? Yeah, so we work in largely rural communities no matter where we are. MRB mm. Group is a is a, a big company, but I call it a, a big company but a small shop. Um, we grew up in these rural these rural spaces, um, particularly here in the Finger Lakes, and so you start you start from where you know. I mean, I joined MRB just a, a couple of years ago, five five or so years ago, and I started on Castle Street. My office is across the street from my old office. I started on Castle Street and just started working my way out from there to go out into these communities, and and Geneva was a success story, and people loved hearing about it, and. So they would say, let's just do what you did in Geneva. And I, and I was mm -hmm. like, oh, hold on a second. You know, that, okay, that'll, be, that'll take 10 years. Um, you, have every, you have to find your place. All right? Again, back to that. You have to uh, brainstorming about what would be great in blue sky planning is fun. It's fun to think about. Yeah. But when you're going to get tactical and you're going you're gonna to create momentum, 
um, or in gender momentum, you have to be aligned with the market. And so when we're working in rural communities, food jumps out mm, as, right. um, as a, um, as a as clear alignment with your market capacity. So you already have, in most cases where we're working in rural communities, you already have an active farming population. Mm-hmm. Um, so you already have that first leg of the triangle. Like, okay, we've got production now, right. what, now how can we move that production into, um, into market and into market in some really cool ways that put us on the map? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're working in Steuben County on a comprehensive plan there. And they've got, you know, uh, one of the, uh, they're one of the largest productive manufacturer or, um, uh, agricultural counties in the state. And we're doing a comprehensive plan for them. And that's what it's all about. It's all about how do we, A, I mean, what's happening in farm, as you know, what's happening in ag is these small family farms are collapsing into these mm-hmm. larger, uh, conglomerate farms, which is fine. There's no, right. no, no issue with big farming, but, um, as a community, as a local government, how do you how do you make sure that your your stamp is on that? Right, because mm-hmm. the bigger it gets, the more it's centralized in Cleveland, right? Or right, uh, right, or yeah. And that else. local community can kind of get left behind, right? Yeah. So two things happen. One, um, we we try to ingratiate ourselves with the bigger guys, mm-hmm. um, but two, we tell farm you know small scale farmers. Hey, there are other options. You know, you, you don't have to sell out. There is a future in farming and food production here if we can create a local market for it. I've seen it mm. in Wayne County. I've seen it in Steuben County here, here locally. And now we're, like you said, we're taking it on the road to, to South Carolina and, yeah. and, um, and the Southeast, which has you know, another just long history of, of farming. And so talk a little bit more about that, though. Like, what does that mean? So when you tell, you know, a municipality that like the farmer can kind of maintain that local impact on the community, what does that look like? Does it mean kind of bring, being more intentional about your farmer's market? Does it mean, you know, what, is, what does it look like for yeah, so it's, agriculture it's- and municipality? Right. I think it's back to what are your assets? What's your capacity? Right. That farmer's market is the is the first thing. Um, it's funny. We were we were working up in Wayne County and they um, we, we met with we brought all the farmers around the table. Not all the farmers, but a bunch of the farmers in, in one of the uh, one of the communities that was experiencing growth pressure. And my biggest mm. concern, one of my bigger concerns about ag is um, in the Finger Lakes, our real estate market is taking off. And uh, people want to live here for lots of different reasons. And so farmers are in a position of now having some other options. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when I asked the farmers there, what are, what's your number one concern? Are you concerned about development pressure? Are you concerned about falling prices? What are you concerned about? And they said, our concern is how do we get this product that we're growing in Wayne County to market in Wayne County for a lot of different reasons. One, because... Uh, a shorter travel space between yeah, producing right. food and, and eating food um, is it lower cost and, and, and all the, other, the the cost impacts that go into that cost uh, or the elements that go into that cost. Um, and two, because then the community embraces farming mm-hmm. as opposed to you move a bunch of people in and all of a sudden the farm is the problem, right? The farm's been here for 200 years. The house right. just got here, right? Yeah. So when we talk to communities, we say, how do we get food to the table? Right. How do we get yep. food to the table in the community? Farmers market is one for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that we worked in Geneva um, on even a step down from um, from the tech farm to um, a, what what I call just colloquially colloquially a community kitchen space. But it's really a kitchen incubation space, um, kitchen incubator where right. you could where you can 
take aspiring entrepreneurs, connect them with local growers and say, okay, we can produce this product here at a small scale. Um, one of the more holistic things, I hate to, I'm just sitting in Geneva, so all these things from Geneva are on my <laughs> mind. But one of the one of the more socially social things that I love about what's what's happened in Geneva is this concept of gleaning, right? So yeah, um, we we were able to connect um, a local nonprofit to farmers who go out do the harvest, and when they're done with the harvest, they've got whatever's left out there, and they and we send that nonprofit out. They collect it all. The city sponsored some cooler space so that we could uh, so that this nonprofit can store it in their cooler and then get it to needy families. Yeah. So anything from farmers market, just selling it wholesale. By the way, if you are supporting your farmers market, make sure you're connecting your farmers market to um, to SNAP and to those other other programs to support economically disadvantaged folks. That 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 keeps the the food where it's supposed to be. Yeah. To uh, effort, uh, opportunities for small scale production, grabbing your entrepreneur. And again, the person working at their kitchen table on a business plan is also mm -hmm. probably making jam or jelly or salsa or whatever at the, you know, at the kitchen stove. Let's get them into a space that's licensed and that's got all the health department checks so that they can start, they can produce it and actually take it to market themselves. Um, and then three, we're very fortunate in the Finger Lakes to have, um, to have Wegmans as our, you know, as a, a really a, a nationwide company, but that's corporate uh, folks are housed here. So we make it a, a point to when we see a product that's got legs to try and connect mm -hmm. it to the Wegmans product folks. How do you get this on a shelf in, you know, in a, in a nationwide chain? That's not going to be possible everywhere, but most regions have a regional grocery or a regional supplier and um, a local economic developer can can go a long way towards supporting entrepreneurship by connecting producers, uh, manufacturers, small scale manufacturers to these larger scale distributors. Yeah. Uh, and there's some interim steps in there too, but, but when I, when I'm coaching municipalities, no matter where they are, it's about finding new markets for your farmers and, and connecting farmers to entrepreneurs, connecting entrepreneurs to retailers. Yeah. And what that really means is you're, you're supporting the creation of these, ecosystems, right? And and if you're not creating them, you're helping make sure that they're strong in all aspects. And so we a lot of the folks that we will talk to on this podcast are CPG brands. And so, you know, for them too, they have a different perspective on this whole thing, but they're an important part of the ecosystem too, right? They have to source their food from somewhere. They have to create it somewhere. They have to have an avenue to sell it. And so there are these kind of hubs where that's naturally occurring. And the Finger Lakes is one of them because of the many resources that you just mentioned. What about other kind of ways that food bev and ag companies in particular can kind of lean into economic development? Because you're, you are one of the leading economic development you know, kind of experts that I know personally anyway. Um, that, and I think the fact that you have such a finger on the pulse of food, beverage, and agriculture in particular, what are ways, and, I, and I'm thinking in particular grants might be one of the things that you could kind of speak to. What are some of the ways that food, bev, and ag brands or companies can kind of lean into economic development and do their part or sort of find their place in this ecosystem? Yeah. So one of the things I love about about entrepreneurs is that they are networkers. Um, you use the word ecosystem, which I, I love. Um, 
we used to call it at, at the Food Venture Center here in, in Geneva, we called it fruitful collisions, right? People bang into each mm-hmm. other and cool things happen. And, um, and so first and foremost, as an entrepreneur, it's your number one responsibility to network. So if you're in a, if you're in a community, you're starting a business, don't just limit yourself to the regulatory side of it. Okay, I got to go down and get a business license or I got to go see the city clerk about this or that. Mm-hmm. Know who the players are in City Hall, Town Hall, Village Hall, and know who's responsible for economic development, right? Yeah. Um, in a little place, and we work in a lot of little places, in a little place, it might be the county. And we're trying to talk local leaders out of that mentality and make sure that they're taking ownership for their own economic development. But there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with the county. The county is usually very well staffed and resourced. So yep. if you're not fine, make sure the mayor or the manager in your community knows who you are, knows what you're doing, um, knows what your plans are. Yep. Um, and then if they if there isn't a person whose job it is to kind of do economic development in town, mm-hmm. go to the county, sit with the county economic developer and and talk to them about your about your plans. I promise mm-hmm. you, if it's a good economic developer, um, no project is too small because they they practice this concept called economic gardening, which is. I see it. I see it out there. It's budding. I yeah. can intervene here. Maybe, maybe not. If I can't, I'm coming back in a year and finding out what's going yeah. on. Yeah. And I think the other thing about that too, is it might not be the municipality, right? right. It might Absolutely. be like Cornell center of excellence is an excellent resource and, you know, has made a big impact on the region. They're not a municipality, right? But they're an economic development engine. So, you know, sometimes you might have to dig a little deeper than just the county, but to your point, find who is contributing to economic development in your region. Absolutely. That's a great point. And in, in a lot of cases, in the best, my free market friends out there, in the best cases, it's not going to be government. There are going mm-hmm. to be nonprofit, academic, other partners. Um, and, and not all of us have Cornell University's, you know, primary right. research station in our backyard. But most people have a community college and community colleges are always tied mm, back to yeah. the state system. And uh, most people have some kind of cooperative extension, right? In no matter what state you're in, there's a cooperative extension, an ad yep. extension that works in your in your community. Go to that person and mm-hmm. find their network. So the network, that's number one. Yep. Yep. Um, that's going to lead you to a bunch of different things, but most certainly um, uh, state and state and federal grant dollars. There yeah. is someone in your community, or there should be, even even if you have to go all the way to the county level, or to there's this um, this machinery out there called um, regional planning council or council of governments. Depending on where you are, it's got a different name. But what it is is like a multi county group of folks who hire a single planning entity to kind yep. of look at the region as a whole. Yep. Those folks are typically very involved in agricultural mm-hmm. planning. Um, and, uh, and economic development. And so, um, you know, find out who that is in your community, because those folks are the people who the federal economic development agencies look to to determine where the federal economic development grants are going to go. Federal agencies don't want to work all the way down in the village of such and such. They right. They want to go to right. the Finger Lakes region, right? Yeah. They've got to like kind of create these like legs of the table. Yeah. You just mentioned that that these regional planning councils are very involved in agriculture. Why is that? Um, and I'll, I, I, I did what I usually do, which is speak in broad generalities. I doubt <laughs> that the I doubt that that the uh, the ten county region surrounding New York City, for example, has a huge ag planning sure. uh, complement. Although they've got some, I know there's a lot, a lot of Long Island wineries out there. Yep, that's but, right. Um, 
But here and, and in the rural areas where we work, um, agriculture is a big piece of the economy. And yeah. it's the piece of the economy that's most at risk virtually everywhere for mm-hmm. lots of different reasons, right? Whether they're environmental risks just generally, whether they're development risks because the place is becoming so popular. Um, in the Finger Lakes in New York State, generally, we're, I don't want to say battling, but we're banging up against uh, we're pitting ag and um, renewable energy against one another with solar farms and yeah. wind towers. Um, and so the regional councils have a have a responsibility and a reason to stay involved in ag planning to make sure mm-hmm. that that um, producers and growers know what the resources are. And so yeah. that's mostly their role is connecting these these folks to resources. Farm right. Bureau, fantastic organization. Encourage everybody to be plugged into that. Totally. Even agree. if you're not a grower, if you're a manufacturer or a small scale manufacturer, entrepreneur, go yep. talk to the Farm Bureau. Mm-hmm. Find out, you know, which farmers you should be talking to about what. Um, yeah. And vice versa, right? To get on their radar so that they know when there's a farmer that, you know, has some that you might be able to solve a farmer's problem, um, yeah. that there's there's a vice versa happening there as well. Um, Absolutely. And the, I know... In that vein, I mean, there are a million little stories, but that Stony Brook story is that exact story, right? The farmer had the problem. The farmer had a problem of what am I going to do with all these seeds? He's landfilling all these seeds. And an entrepreneur happened to be standing at the ag extension and heard him talking about it and said, I'll take the seeds. And he turned them into this amazing uh, uh, oil, uh, squash seed oil. And uh, and so, yes, to your point, vice versa. That's why it's a network. It's fully connected. right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what does your spidey sense tell you about like what's coming next in economic development in communities? And that might mean how have behaviors changed since COVID that people are kind of engaging in a little different way, but you know, with your finger on the pulse, what what's coming next? Yeah. So water, right. Water mm. is, is a critical conversation um, as uh, as the world dries, uh, warms mm-hmm. up and dries, um, municipalities are having to get a lot more engaged in, uh, in e- even getting farmers water. Farmers are seeing those ponds dry up earlier mm-hmm. in the season. Mm-hmm. And so for the first time in my career, I'm talking to farmers about how to extend water infrastructure to their farms hmm. to refill those ponds all summer. Um, so not just talking about ag, but dairy farm. We're I mean, not just talking about um, irrigation, but like dairy farming right. and keeping the cows watered and, and that kind of thing. So water and infrastructure are going to play a much bigger role in, in ag economic development uh, moving forward. Um, I, I, you know, the, the piece about COVID, what we found, and, and maybe maybe the work we've been doing, you and I have been doing in this part of our career was at the front end of things, but it, uh, COVID made everything. I, I lived in a hyper-local world. I, you know, I, I thrived right. on eating food that was grown within 20 miles of my house, you know. Um, now that's everywhere, right? And, right? and I think it's only getting smaller. I think people are only going to look, they want to know the story of their food, want to know where it comes from. They want yep, to know that absolutely. it's going to get to them no matter what happens in the world. Food security yeah. um, is, is so much more important. And by food security, I just mean the ability to get an ear of corn from a, from a farm to my table. Yep, um, exactly. That has to happen locally. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's, a, that's a big deal. And food safety uh, generally. Mm. Um, Cornell has an amazing 
uh, program uh, or an initiative called the Institute of Food Safety. Um, and what they're doing is helping growers and produce small scale producers understand federal regulation and then coaching the federal government on on how to modify regulation to be more implementable without losing the security part of it, right. the safety part of it. Um, because if you're a small scale farmer or producer and you get that thousand page code of federal regulations, you're lost right out of the gate. And a totally. lot of it won't even apply to you. Right. And so right. food safety is not going away. It's only going to get stronger and more strict and more bureaucratic. Mm -hmm. And so um, for, for a small scale producer, I would say find the person in your community whose responsibility it is to interpret that. This Cornell Institute of Food Safety is a nationwide resource though. So if yeah. you're in, you know, if you're in Batwing, Idaho, working on a working on a, a food safety question, call Cornell. They're they're empowered and funded to help you. Yeah. And Cornell has come up in a lot of these these conversations that I've had for the podcast. And I want to make sure that everybody's clear that that even though a lot of the folks that I've talked to thus far happen to be based in the Finger Lakes and are talking a lot about Cornell, the point that you just made is a good one, that they are they are a nationwide resource that is available for, you know, all sorts of things related to the development of a CPG or the efficiency of your farm or various things in that aspect. Um what about agritourism? A lot of, I, oh, I so have he heard a lot of bus, hustle and bustle about that. A lot of conversation. Everyone's coming to me and asking about agritourism. What are you hearing on that topic? Yeah. I mean, five years ago, again, I think we have the benefit of kind of living in the, the right part of the world for this, but five years ago, that was wineries and breweries. Right. right. Um, and, uh, and maybe an occasional you pick, you know, strawberry patch right. or something like that. Um, it's getting more, uh, it's getting more robust. I'll say it that way. Every piece of the food uh, production uh, uh, chain has a, an ag tourism opportunity associated with it. Mm -hmm. So um, there's no question in my mind that, again, kind of back to that maybe COVID spawned curiosity about where my food comes from and how it happens. People, mm -hmm. people want to see the processes. They want to understand the processes. Right. Yep. Um, but moreover, it's just a... Um, a beautiful way to spend a day. And it's, and it's something that if you're in a, if you're in a, a rural region, um, it's one of your core assets for, for attraction and, uh, and retention. And so um, I, I still see obviously wine and, and beer and, and yep. um, distilleries yep. are popping up. I still see that as a, as huge agritourism. Um, but here, here locally, again, I even, I look at the fall with the, the, pick and patch and that, which grows, you know, you know, quadruply every year, 400% every year, it just gets bigger and bigger. Um, and that's about folks wanting to be connected to their food. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, yep. and so I only see that continuing to grow and I only see people continuing to get more and more creative with it and, yeah. uh, and really opening their doors. Because again, yeah. back to that Wayne County conversation, the farmers yeah. are under threat from, from residences. Uh, mm -hmm. and residents move into a real pastoral, beautiful place. Mm -hmm. And in that first spring day, they open their mm -hmm. windows and they're like, what is that? You know, what's that smell? <laughs> well, yep. uh, that's, or why, what, what's that noise at, at daybreak? Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a tractor. That's what right. that is. And right. it's yeah. getting your food out of there. So the yeah. more farmers can connect to people. And so agritourism yep. is a great place for farmers and producers for that matter to connect mm -hmm. to people. Um, and so anyway, that's, I think, yeah. I think it's on the rise.
Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I, I totally agree too. I want to go back to the grants conversation for just one more minute, because I think that for many of the, the folks in these industries, food, bev and ag, right, that there is a lot of opportunity on the grants side. And so you mentioned kind of getting to know your network and connecting to the people, talk about what you're doing. And that is so that, you know, hopefully the people that you're connecting with can kind of help funnel resources toward you, right? And, you know, you can kind of make sure that you're staying on top of what is available. Are there any kind of grants that come to mind that are generally utilized by farmers um, that would be kind of good, quick, easy wins for our audience to sort of start looking into? Yeah, yeah. Two two big ones, or two big funding agencies out there that are really incredibly diverse. I, I'll start very high level since, you know, since hopefully people even outside of New York will, will pick up on this, but um, USDA adds new programs all the time. And so uh, most, I think every region in the country has a USDA outpost and office in your um, in mm. your region. Um, so if you're a, if you're a Google person, go right to Google, Google USDA grants, and you'll get the, the phone book um, yep. and read it cover to cover. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it, it, you'll be surprised at what's in there. Um, and then if you're not a Google person, go out, find where your, uh, where your USDA regional office is and go out and sit with those folks and talk to them about your needs and talk to, and, you know, and ask them about their, about their funding cycles. Yeah. Um, it's everything from, um, manufacturing equipment, farming equipment, um, land preservation stuff. I mean, there's a, there's a lot there, right? Yeah. So that, that's a, a federal one that I, that I love. Um, one that then, um, from the USDA that a lot of our clients use is the, um, is more of a research and development one, the value added processors grant. A lot of our clients yeah. love that one. How can I take what a, you know, what I'm already doing on the farm and help it do more value added kind of thing. Um, so that, that's one too, that would be, I would say high on the list for folks to, to specifically seek out. Yeah. And and I think anywhere you plug into ag, I mean, and again, they stretch it even, I mean, farther than that. And so um, from the, from very, from very clear, basic, direct growing support all the way down to processing and value add, I I think that's a great point. Mm -hmm. Um, One that's for people maybe closer in to, um, to communities or to, uh, to, to cities and towns, um, is uh, the community development block grant program? Mm, yeah, that's um, a good one. It's built to serve uh, underserved communities, right? So impoverished, economically challenged communities. It has a full economic development component to it. Um, if your region has an ag economic development priority, then um, then that's going to bubble up as a high school because your region typically gets to weigh in. Those guys we talked about at the Cog or the RPC, mm. they get to weigh in. Um, on your grant application, and when they see an ag tie or they see a strategic tie, um, that, that which ho- hopefully would be ag, um, then you get a few bonus points there. But again, that's e- that's sometimes what I call easy money to spend. Equipment, um, in a lot of cases, uh, even some uh, some salaries for hiring employees, those kinds of mm-hmm. things. Um, and again, it's built to serve rural places with um, with economic challenges. And so um, I would I would keep an eye on that. In, inside the cities uh, in New York State, they've created this uh, sublet or sub piece of the uh, sub grant of the CDBG, which is called Micro Enterprise Assistance. Mm-hmm. Um, this would be for those uh, those maybe production or retail entrepreneurs um, 
you get, you get micro grants. So yeah. uh, uh, micro enterprises of, as an employer with five or fewer employees um, and communities get a grant for $250,000 and then break it up and, mm-hmm. and give, give it in 25 or $50,000 chunks to entrepreneurs in the community to either get started um, or um, for a young, a young company to expand um, in New York state. A couple of things that I, that, that I would bang on is um, Empire State Development um, has a strong ag focus. And, um, and so pay attention to that. Uh, they've got they, they most of these grant or a lot of these grant programs look to grant to a municipality who might then sub grant to you or who might invest in infrastructure that that, that supports you ultimately. Um, Empire State Development grants directly to the producer. Um, mm-hmm. And so they don't like to give money to municipalities. They like to give it directly mm-hmm. to the producer. I would say um, they are strategic, right? So this is not, I've got an idea. This right. is, I've got proof of concept and I'm moving into scale, right? Yeah. Um, you, you're, you're most likely to get a, to get ESD's attention with that, Empire State Development's yep. attention with that. But same thing. Court your county economic developer first, and then let them walk you into ESD, Empire State Development, um, mm-hmm. Community Development Block Grants in New York State when, that we just talked about uh, as well. Um, and then we're paying a lot of attention to um, farmland preservation dollars, which are mm. um, you know conservation easement. Like we said, these these small family farms are they got in New York State they're getting two knocks a day at the door from solar producers or solar uh, uh, yeah. installers. Hey, we'll pay you a 20 year ground lease and the farmers doing the math. Yeah. Just, and sometimes that does make sense for them. You know that, Hey, I can, I'm going to make way more money this way rather yeah. than farming this land. But that was a big discussion at the um, New York state farm bureau annual meeting last December was this huge discussion over the concern for the entire United States of quality, high quality farmland going to solar because, you know, even though they're making more money in that way, right? So it's how do you get ahead of that? So that that's a, a really smart angle too of farmland preservation dollars and what might be available there. Yeah. The federal government and the state government both have these priorities of renewable energy and it yeah. comes right up against agricultural mm-hmm. priorities in most cases. So mm-hmm. um, the state of New York, locally here, the town of Canandaigua, has I think had five rounds of these preservation grants, um, and basically what it does is makes the makes it as worth your while to farm as to accept accept the solar panel, right? Yeah, that's um, great. So that at least you're starting from a level playing field. Right. Right. Yep. Well, this was great. I really appreciate all of your your resources. I mean, I think the thing I'm hearing loud and clear that um, is of value to our food, Bev and Ag folks that are listening is that economic is an excellent place to start making sure that you're having those conversations with your local economic development organization, no matter what stage you're in. If you're in that kind of industry, that there's likely some sort of support or awareness or kind of connection that can happen with your local economic development um, organizations to to help you grow. You got it. Absolutely. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks again for your time, Matt. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Spilled Salt. I'm Maureen Balatori. For more information about the podcast, visit www.29designstudio.com. If you have questions for me, you can submit them through the contact form on the website. 
Be sure to like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. 